Episode 76, baby. Classic. Welcome to it. The Nords of Nern. This is Classic. Classic Elder Scrolls brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. Available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and of course, QuestGamingNetwork.com. Where the hell else are you going? I am your host and your fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Ivarwin. And I've got with me right here the one, the only, the Tamrielic Historian, the spinner of great Nord histories... Mike. Hello, everybody. It's been, what, a month? Five weeks? It's a crazy amount of time since we were last together. That's I think true. the mead hangover is finally gone, though. <laughs> mead, mead, mead. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? I'm doing okay. I've got a little bit of a scratchy throat, so hopefully we can get through this 100-page uh, thesis here that uh, we're going to present on the Nords. Yeah, we got a lot of great info for you. So so buckle up, Buttercup. And here comes the Sonarist, the finder of truth and the fake news about Nords. It's Mark. <laughs> I was muted. Let's see. Uh, we finished <laughs> off episode 75, and then it was today. Did I miss something? I don't think so. I think you're good. I think last time we talked, Mark, was before the High Elf Conquest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's been a while. It's good to be back. Yes, yeah, good to have you back. It's good. Uh, it's good to have everyone here. Uh, Zephan couldn't make it tonight. He's uh, he's at work, unfortunately. Um, but uh, you know, we miss you. We miss you, buddy. And uh, we'll see you for late night Elder Scrolls. Uh, this is classic Elder Scrolls. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash quest gaming network and a big hello and howdy do to all of our folks jumping in on the chat room right now. You can email us at Elder Scrolls off the record at gmail.com. You can find us at our website, questgamingnetwork.com, and you can throw a brick at us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls O T R. Also, we want to thank our amazing sponsors, such as our great Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for for sponsoring us, folks. And of course, um, tw tweaked tweaked audio. Get get amazing earbuds. Very good sound clarity. Fantastic sound quality. Environmental noise reduction system as well for a very reasonable price. Probably around around twenty five thirty dollars. Free shipping at tweakedaudio.com and 33% off if you add in our code off the record all one word over at tweakedaudio.com Mike what are we doing today So episode 76 the Nords of Nern We come from a land of the ice and snow from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow the hammer of the gods will drive our ships to new lands to fight the horde and sing and cry Valhalla, I am coming. Led Zeppelin, the immigrant song. Yeah! Pretty much speaks for the entire history of, okay, we can call it here, because that <laughs> sums up a lot of what the history of the Nords actually is and the Viking culture of our own world. Uh, so we will be playing Skyrim. We will be wrapping up our... Uh, playthrough and history and everything on the Nords and their culture and their mead. I won't be drinking mead tonight, though. Uh, it's a Tuesday, so, you know, <laughs> got to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're hoping that uh, you've enjoyed our time with the Nords and uh, maybe we'll move to some place a little warmer in a couple weeks. <laughs> What's a milk drinker 
Yeah, um, I'm going to be playing uh, Skyrim Special Edition, the uh, survival mode. So uh, just so you guys know, if you see a bunch of extra stuff going on on the screen, um, or I don't know, whatever. If you notice anything different, it's probably because of that. Um, okay, Do we, we have, have... Uh, a kill count going because uh, <laughs> last time it, w- it was quite interesting to see uh, your survival, survival instincts. Well, they've they have uh, they have increased quite a bit since the last uh, last last uh, playing of this. So, so hopefully, uh, hopefully there won't be too high of a kill count, though. I'm, I'm sure it'll be um, high enough. You know how it is. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff for you today. The history of is jam packed. Uh, Mark Sonarist archives is going to be uh, fantastic. We've also got a uh, fast question of the week that. Uh, Mark brilliantly came up with just before we went uh, went live, so enjoy that. And uh, a great email. We've got a, a really nice uh, nice email coming out for you today. However, put your frosty paws together for my friend Jazzledar in the Two Moons horoscope. Thank you. This one has been busy acquiring crafting materials and blueprints, mainly for this one's friend Madriel. But unfortunately, this one cannot seem to find the last one. Perhaps this one should look at the stars before the pockets. So, the stars. The Cesarine and Mara Sextile may bring about an urge to perform various domestic activities. Perhaps it is time to put away the decorations from the Witches Festival and start looking for new life items. So, this one would like would think that the missing motif and blueprints should be easier to find with the planet's alignment as such. So, until next time, may warm sands be in your future. Oh, yeah. I got a red guard uh, smacking me around right now. I walked into the new Nis Corner Club, <laughs> and this red guard's like, hey, don't look at me. So, you know, Tormund over here isn't going to take that from anyone, so so I'm, I'm fighting. Uh, <laughs> Can't ha- help yourself, can you? No. What's going on with uh, this week at Tamriel Holidays there, Mike? I, I see we've got a-, a blurb here instead of you know something else. Yeah, so this week in Tamriel Holidays, there's nothing this week. No holidays. So Bethesda, bring back the holidays in our next Elder Scrolls game. Please add to the Breton, the Imperial, and the Red Guard holidays that we're used to. Maybe an Altmer, Bosmer, or Khajiit holiday to fill in some of these gaps. And so, there it goes. In two weeks' time, we'll start getting holidays again. All right. Um, yeah, we've got we've got actually a pretty busy uh, Tamriel Lake holiday season coming up. So um, <laughs> they're giving they're giving us a small break before they get back into it. Yeah, it's sort of like the long pause, the long uh, breath before the the insanity. Uh, we've got. Uh, New the next one, one, one kill. That's that's one. We're at we're, we're at one. Okay. We're already oh, at one. He knocked, right. He he knocked, even gotten through the introduction and we're at one. It, <laughs> he knocked you face first into a into your own torch, the monster. I know. In, in my defense, I wasn't quite like in it right then and there. I was really more paying attention to the show. So so I think it's oh, an, so it's our fault. No, it's not your fault. I, I think it's I think it's an understandable death. That's what I'm trying to sell to you right now. Okay, okay. Hopefully you're we'll buying that. We'll, we'll buy Thank that. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, we've got a couple of things we want to mention very quickly before we start anything, which is, number one, the free play weekend for PlayStation 4, PC, and Mac, and the 10 million stories dungeon events have concluded Hopefully you enjoyed your time with all of the unlocked DLC for the weekend and, of course, getting your mysterious reward boxes. 
Uh, also, we want to let you know that a QGN is expanding its Wizards of the Coast coverage. We have the fantastic QG D&D with Mark, right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, which is coming up to a pretty amazing episode, yes, right? Yes. We, we just finished our Curse of Strahd campaign. We still have lots more episodes to, to release for that, uh, but... Tomorrow we're actually going to record our uh, our post campaign wrap up uh, episode, uh, and we're we're all set basically for we know what we're starting again. Uh, we're gonna go on break for playing until January, and then we're going to get back into it with something new. Um, in the meantime, uh, we're basically we've got everything. We're I am ahead of. Uh, editing so we'll have lots to release over the over the uh christmas holidays no problems there yeah we're, we're not so gonna have a long it drive you'll be able to hear all about my crazy adventures trying to sell luna to strad <laughs> <laughs> will he succeed only one way to find out i want to i, I want to ask so badly because there's a lot of jokes here <laughs> I really, number one, I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to insult poor Luna at all. So that's not where I want to go with this. But the other thing too is I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll just leave it there. <laughs> You'll have to tune in and find out if if we if I finally succeed. Yes. Um. All right. The other thing is uh, maybe some of you folks have noticed. Maybe you haven't yet. If you haven't, we're telling you now. Like I said, our Wizards of the Coast coverage is expanding. What does that mean? Welcome to QGMTG. Quest Gaming Magic the Gathering is now a podcast, and it's already up and available with two episodes right there for you. Uh, you can get it on questgamingnetwork.com. Of course, why anywhere else? And also on iTunes, and we will be uploading it to Stitcher Radio as well. So we're covering gameplay, we're covering lore, and now, with starting with episode three... We're going to be covering some deck building strategies as well as some uh, some new player tips to Magic the Gathering as well. Um, already, we've well, we've got it discussed uh, for episode three. We're going to be talking about as far as new player strategies go. Um, how do you actually play the game? Like the mechanics of the different steps, what the different colors for um, for for the cards mean, and deck building strategies to sort of get you. Uh, Get you putting things together and and on your onto your first deck. That's QG MTG Quest Gaming Magic the Gathering, as well. Again, it's on uh, QuestGamingNetwork.com, iTunes, and soon to hit Stitcher Radio. First two episodes, guys. I just want to remind you. Okay, it's a show that's being built, so we're trying to find that stride. So if it sounds different than Elder Scrolls Off the Record and maybe even Classic, just give us uh, give us some time, folks. <laughs> we're gonna get there. Oh, uh, it's it's yeah. been. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's been so long since I, I played Magic. I'm really interested to hear how the new me- mechanics work and uh, honestly the lore. Because I know I was in easily in junior high, actually, uh, the last time I played Magic. Um, so, no, I'm fascinated to see get basically a good way to see where the game's gone and, and uh, the lore and everything. Because I know... For a card game, it's got a lot of lore behind it. It really does. Um, we just we covered uh, in, in episode two. We covered the the lore between um, the the two brothers Urza and Mishra, and how what happened to them sort of reignited 
the Magic the Gathering lore uh, in the early 2000s. I mean, this is a game that's been out since the, the early to mid-90s. Um, they had to redo their uh, their game a little bit and balance it, so they, they reinstituted some new lore. So we're, we're essentially starting from the very beginning with, with Modern. Um, nice. With the Antiquities set. And uh, uh, Mithril, who uh, who's my my co-host on the show, he did a phenomenal job. And, and I think now we're going to be leaning more towards a, a uh, classic Elder Scrolls feel to Quest Gaming Magic the Gathering. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy. Um, okay. Also, another big announcement for us here is uh, QGNCon 2018 was announced, and it will be Saturday, July 28th, and we will be selling tickets as early as January. So uh, get those travel plans all figured out, folks. Uh, it is going to be back in the same place, uh, the Baseball Center in Manhattan for QGNCon 2018, Saturday, it's on a weekend now, July 28th, July 28th. Oh no the the first one was such a blast. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> we had a great. Oh time. no, fantastic. We had a great time. Um, all right, let's jump into gameplay and let's uh, let's start with Mark in in some of uh, some of his gameplay. What, what have you been doing in in uh, Tamriel lately? Oh, uh, sadly, not nearly as much as I would like. Um, simply because the you know just unfortunately uh, adulting, but. Um, that's Friday on Dancing with Daggers. We had uh, a blast. We did some of the random dungeons. Um, I'm still, of course, gathering uh, the champion points. Rage and Ray and Tim are so far ahead of me. It's not funny. And after each, I, we did two. Dun I did two dungeons with them. And after each one, I got three champion points worth of experience. Wow! You know, it, if if I had been using some sort of uh, XP booster too, like a scroll or a potion. It, I can't imagine how many more I would have gotten, but it was just, it was amazing. It was, and it was so fun too. Um, other than that, I've done some, I've, I've, uh, tried to hop into, uh, to Skyrim every once in a while to, uh, to try out some of the, um, the survival mode, which honestly I'm really enjoying. It just it changes the gameplay so much to have that extra little thing to worry about. Oh yeah. Um, and honestly, like at one point, I ended up in uh, Winterhold and sort of low level made tried to make my way across the north northern coast to Solitude. And of course, you eventually get to the swamp, and it becomes like, okay, how can I find a way through this swamp without getting soaked? Drain the swamp. Exactly. There we go. Um, because of course, the moment you're you're wet, and that far north, you're pretty much dead. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that 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 took some effort, but it was really worth it to do. Um, oh, and apparently they now have. Uh, I I just happened to log on when the Creation Club had uh, the free mud crab pet available. <laughs> so the armored mud crab mod. So I figured, eh, it's free. Why not? Let's see what this looks like. And what, I just haven't had a chance to try it out. What do you? Th oh, okay. I haven't had a chance to try it out. Yeah, no. So I, like, again, it, I when I was on it, they it was, I guess it's early introduction. So instead yeah. of being fifty credits, it was zero. I was gonna say it's fifty credits right now. So I, I guess I missed my my yeah. opportunity for that. 
Yeah, so, but now I'll, I'll go and take a look at it. It's got a little, uh, one of the small quests to go pick it up. Um, but hey, armored mud crab pet, which apparently can fight and carry stuff. Can't, uh, can't go wrong with something, uh, something like that, an armored, armored mud crab pet. Honestly, it, it's a soulless monster. Why you would put it in armor just seems like. You're, this, do, do you want the world to end? Because this is how we have world-ending monsters. It's like, it's like packing a nuclear weapon with <laughs> with a, a like tank armor. <laughs> exactly. When Lydia's not enough, get a mud crab. That's right, baby. Ooh, let me get this cooked beef. It's got it restores three hundred eighty points of hunger. Let me do that, and then with apple pie. Grab that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, grilled chicken breast. Yeah, let me grab one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this is one of the things I love about the the survival mod is like, okay, I'm actually considering, okay, we need, you know, making sure, okay, we're going to eat and we're going to find a good place to sleep and mm-hmm. actually taking care of those little things for that are good RP-wise. That's right. And Tormund is not going to pass up on this Nord Mead. And drink nope. it right in front of this this lovely blonde here and attempt to bed her for the evening. There nope. are mods for that. Ah, <laughs> right, Nordmead. Anyway, um, Mike, what's uh, what's been going on with you in game, man? What have you been doing in Tamriel? Uh, so I've been playing some ESO, and I did get a couple of the uh, the mystery boxes from uh, pugging some dungeons because uh, I've been on weird hours. Um, Started stripping away all the decorations from uh, QGN Manor for the um, uh, Witches Festival and replacing them with Christmas trees for a New Life Festival. So uh, ah. starting the decoration process to uh, to make it look very festive for the holidays. Oh, and, that sounds uh, really nice, Mike. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we'll uh, have a, a uh, New Life Festival uh, in the very near future on one of the Dancing with Daggers streams or... Uh, some of our streams here and uh, spend some time celebrating the holidays in the snow and pine trees of the manor. Yeah. And uh, I was in Skyrim for a little while uh, on my archer, the archer and uh, made my way from uh, Falkreath over the icy pass um, following the dog with the Brooklyn accent through the snow, uh, and then went to Iverstead and turned in the bear pelt quest, uh, waiting to make my trek up to High Rothgar to turn in the horn of Jorgen Windcaller. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to brave the snows again yet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you've been playing so, um, survival mode? Yeah. What do you think so? So last time I barely made it up there alive. I had to camp along the way and light some fires. Yeah. So it's interesting, uh, but uh, it makes you stop and say, hmm, do I really want to turn in the horn yet? Um, You know, what's funny is that's exactly what I'm considering right now as I'm I'm streaming some uh, some of the gameplay here. Um, I bought uh, a bunch of, uh, as you heard, I mean, I've made it very obvious I was doing that. I bought a bunch of food from... Uh, the the tavern owner here in um, in Windhelm. However, I'm also going back and look at that buying buying salt because you need salt. And I was looking to see if I had any um, any fire salts as well because fire salts is extremely important to making like the best 
like the best quality food that you can get. So it's definitely good to get that stuff. Um, all right. So uh, anything else, Mike? That's about it. You know, adulting just like Mark. So it, it kind of limits some of the the game time. But yeah, I hear yeah. you on that one. I hear you. Um, okay. So so for me, I've been playing ESO and uh, Skyrim Survival Mode. Uh, ESO ha- uh, was on late night Elder Scrolls, uh, which is now it's now moved. Uh, and permanently located on Saturdays and Sundays at 1.30 a.m. Eastern, so a little earlier and on the weekends. Uh, this way, you know, uh, Zephin's uh, work schedule recently switched, so we had to we had to switch it up. So if you want to catch us uh, on Late Night Elder Scrolls, that's on our Twitch channel, and uh, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30 a.m. And this past weekend, um, Zephin and I played uh, ESO on Saturday night. And we were looking to do some of the uh, content in the 10 million dungeon, 10 million stories dungeon event. Uh, we played Fungal Grotto and Crypt of Hearts, and uh, we got some of the mysterious reward boxes out of that. Didn't really get much, <laughs> which uh, I kind of was expecting because um, we were. It was a slight chance to get something good, and I, you know, I didn't expect to get much good out of it. It's not like. Uh crown crates so yeah i think you know it it was an incentive is what it was Mm -hmm. yeah it is true um and i did notice that they they backed that up with um the free play weekend on pc mac and the playstation 4 console um i'm wondering if maybe they're trying to like you know reinvigorate sort of the uh the gameplay a little bit uh because it has it has seemed like since since uh, back to school happened, <clears throat> um, seems like the game's been kind of quiet, you know, to to very quiet. Uh, I, I get you guys would agree, right? Oh, even our own team speak. I mean, a number of our, our regular team speak uh, participants are enrolled in classes, and they're struggling to get time to complete all the classwork and game time. So yeah, I mean, I expect to see a, a big upswing in the next four weeks here with. Um, exams coming due in the next two weeks for most uh, colleges and uh, people that like myself who work at a college not having to teach every night of the week uh, will have time to play so uh, it'll be nice yeah it's been a little tough getting into game but um you know I listen um, it, it happens it absolutely happens I, I haven't even been logging into ESO all that much either because I've been focusing on the uh, the the new uh, magic the gathering show just trying to you know Refamiliarize myself a little bit again with that and, and try and get the show off the ground. And, and so, so I, you know, I've had a, a hard time trying to get in too. Um, but uh, we, did, we did make time for it on Saturday night in Late Night Elder Scrolls. And uh, Zephyr and I had a great time as always uh, playing Fungal Grotto and Crypto Hearts. And uh, <laughs> uh, might have been a joke about uh, tentacles <laughs> the night after on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> but uh i guess that's what the video archive is for you can check that yeah. out <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there we won't pick that up <laughs> um so i ended up getting a mimic stone an experience scroll a treasure map and i think a, a furniture crafting pattern so 
not all that great, but not not completely worthless either. Because that's that's the mysterious reward box on top of all the other stuff that you use, um, you get for just uh, playing the uh, looking for group system on on random. So, wasn't that bad? Uh, Skyrim survival mode. Been playing that. I'm playing it right now. Been having a great time. Um, guys, probably the pinnacle of Skyrim gameplay. Would you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, without question. Yeah, we've we've said for years that you know Skyrim is not you know your character versus the Nords or your character versus the Altmer or the Thalmor. Uh, it, it's your it should be your character versus you know the the zone of Skyrim. And that's now exactly. it finally feels like it. I think, and that's yeah. exactly what it, what it feels like. I mean, um, one uh, one story I could share with you is. I'm playing this um this 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 boorish and brutish Nord character named Tormund, um, who's joining the Stormcloak army, and uh, he was told to go to the Sea of Ghosts and kill an Ice Wraith, and you know any other gameplay you're there and back in you know fifteen twenty minutes at the most. Um, not in survival mode. You're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, in survival mode, you got to plan for that trip because you're going. You're you're literally like, you're going into you're going to a glacier for God's sakes, and and God forbid if you touch that water, holy crap! Bring a torch with you, and uh, and some some really hot food, because you're not going to survive, at all. Yeah. And and the the potion that they give you to make things like bearable, it just doesn't even work. It's useless. Now there there were environmental survival mods uh before this one for uh for se but frank you know like this this one is the one that they put here is really good but i i think one of my favorite moments playing with a survival mod was um i had gone to solstheim and i was exploring the coast and as i got to the north end of the island i was going along the uh the shore and of course the north end then just rises into these sheer cliffs well i figured okay that's fine i'll just keep going kept going kept going kept going and then found that the sheet of ice i was on had a gap between the next one that was not big enough for me to or it was too long for me to just hop over and i actually stopped and considered my what i was going to do for a good minute or two as is like I don't want to go back and try to find a way up onto the glacier. But that would mean hopping in the water. <laughs> Can I get in the water, get out, get and get a fire going quickly enough to survive this? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Quick saved and sure enough, you know, hopped in. And sure enough, it was a race against time as my character began to freeze to death almost instantly and continued to do so when he was out of the water a second later. That's the worst part right there, that you get out, you're you're no longer being exposed, but you're still dying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the, okay, got to get the fire going and then see if I can put the tent up quickly enough. Yeah. Yep. One of the, uh, one of the things that really helps... Um, and you, you're, you're watching me do this right now on the stream is uh, move during the day and sleep at night. And um, I just got this. Uh, I just got this quest. Okay. 
Um, I will I will share this with you folks. All right, I have to uh, meet the Stormcloak army in uh, Corvinjund, and guess what? Um, I'm gonna have to walk there from Windhelm west to the Barrow and meet the Stormcloak army there. <clears throat> I have to walk, guys. Like. <laughs> Through all of this ice and snow, um, I I'm not doing that at night. It gets colder at night. I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna blow through my food a lot faster. It's just not a smart idea. It's much smarter to sleep 18 hours, spend the 10 gold at an inn, sleep 18 hours from you know 3 p.m. to you know um, uh, 9 a.m. or something, and move during the during the day and get there and make sure you pack a lunch because. If you don't, you're gonna get there and you're gonna be useless. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's really great. Um, you know, like like I was saying earlier, you know, trying to get up to the Sea of Ghosts to kill that that ice wraith. You know, the ice wraith wasn't that big of a deal. All right, I hate fighting them. I have a hard time fighting them. I can never figure out exactly where the hell these damn things are on the screen. I can't tell if they're far away from me or close. And by the time I figure it out, it's too late. So it's it's a pain for me to. My depth perception gets a little wonky when I fight ice wraiths. That said, that was not the challenge here for me in, in survival mode. The challenge was getting there in one piece. I had to deal with the cold. I had to make sure I had the food. I had to make sure I wasn't tired. Um, I had to make sure that you know I, I was able to fight off the polar bears, the wolves, the ice wolves, the bandits, uh, the, the mages that are, that are on the road there that'll, you know, and by the time you get there, now it's like, okay, you, you got through all of this. Now deal with hopscotch along frozen water. And God forbid you fall into that water. You better get out fast because you're going to die. You're going to freeze in there. Get out. Hunker down. Grab a torch. Get some food. Warm yourself up. Because when you stand up again, you've got an ice wraith to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no fast travel here. I, I had a horse. I had to put the horse away to, to get across the, the water here. I kill the you know, ice wraith. I make my way back. And, and, and once you do it, there's no fast traveling. You have to, you've got to make your way back. And thank God I had my horse. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm looking at this and it's like, yeah, I mean, you have to plan your route. And here I am thinking quickest way is, of course, just go west of Windhelm and you're there. But you're doing it through Arctic Tundra the entire way. And then there's the part of me going, well, if you wanted to, you could maybe get the Wagoneer from the at the stables. But of course, you know, you're going to arrive and go to Windhelm or to Winterhold. You'll still arrive exhausted, tired and hungry, but you can stop off, eat, sleep, get yourself rejuvenated there and then sort of walk up from the southwest to uh, the point you're trying to get to because at least that way you're going through a greener belt yeah yeah it takes your character longer but it's like but then i'm not going through the cold as long right and you're not wasting through all of that that precious uh food that keeps you alive and keeps you warm and and armor rating too like Armor rating is another thing. Um, you know, what's more important to you, armor rating or 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 warmth rating? Because that's a new thing now for for this stuff. Yeah, you got to keep both in in mind. And we have a question in the chat that's um, interesting. Does survival mode hardness go up with higher difficulty settings? I don't know. <laughs> 
That's a good uh, question. I think so. You know, but even still, I mean, it, it's difficult enough as it is, you know, just surviving that uh, it really doesn't have to go up that much uh, to, to make it even more challenging. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure myself, to, to be honest. I, I haven't I haven't tried increased difficulty um, other than the, the adept difficulty. So I'm not sure. And you know what? This is this is plenty challenging in, in and of itself, especially with the way I'm role-playing Tormund. Um, he's, you know, anti-imperial all the way. And uh, he's uh, he's the kind of guy where if you get into his face about something, he's going he's gonna to try and kick your ass. He's going to try and punch you. Just like that guy in the inn, uh, that red guard who came up to me and he started, he started a fight with me. Tormund wasn't going to back down. And as a matter of fact, he, he, he's all too happy to escalate the fight, too. You know, trying to intimidate him, and, and the guy wouldn't be intimidated, so he he, he drew down, and, and Tormund's like, whatever, man, I don't care. Skyrim's for the Nords, brah. <laughs> so, uh, so, that, so I'm, I'm intentionally making it even, even difficult, I'm even more difficult on myself by, by role-playing a, a boorish ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, anyway, boorish asses aside, um, boar ass, bear ass, what? Um, let's uh, jump into uh, the history of where Mike's going to cover some Nord ass. I thought that was Nordic. Oh! <laughs> right. So the Nordic countries first come <laughs> into more permanent contact with the rest of Europe during the Viking Age. And... Um, this is where we start to see in our own um, modern culture the the groups that were used to give us the Nord culture in uh, ESO or in Elder Scrolls. So southern Finland and northern parts of Sweden, Norway, are areas where the Vikings mostly only traded and had raids. While the permanent settlements of the Vikings in Nordic regions were in southern Norway, Sweden, Denmark... Uh, Pharos, as well as Iceland, Greenland, and Estonia. Uh, the Nords of Skyrim did not come a Viking, but like their real-life counterparts, did come from over the seas and settled in new lands. So the ancient Nords, from the Pocket Guide to the first to the Empire, first edition, Skyrim. Skyrim, also known as the Old Kingdom or the Fatherland, was the first region of Tamriel settled by humans. The hardy, brave, warlike Nords, whose descendants still occupy this rugged land, and although perhaps somewhat reduced from the legendary renown of their forebears of old, the Nords of the pure blood still unquestionably surpass the mixed races in all of the manly virtues. Exactly when the Nords first crossed the ice-choked sea of ghosts from Atmora, their original homeland is uncertain, as Recorded in the Song of Return, Ysgrimor and his family first landed in Tamriel at Haskir's Head, an extremely northern tip of Skyrim's Broken Cape, fleeing a civil war in Atmora. Then, rather warmer than at present, as it seems to have supported a substantial population. I love how it says the uh, they surpassed the mixed races in all of the manly virtues. And uh, Lydia <laughs> I, might actually surpass most of the rest of the races herself. <laughs> hey, I like Lydia. <laughs> hmm. she's, she's a nice lady. You leave her alone. 
She don't get out of your way for shit, but she's a nice lady. (laughs) (laughs) She's sworn to carry. She's sworn to carry our burdens. And have you seen the amount of dragon bone she can carry? She will break you in half. (laughs) Oh yeah, now that's a woman. I. (laughs) So I guess the first thing that we should think about is at Mora. Where is it? So from the Imperial Geographical Society. For hundreds of years in the Merethic era, raiders crossed the Sea of Ghosts to invade Tamriel from the frozen lands of Atmora, becoming, after generations of living in our lands, the Nords, Syrids, and the Bretons of today. The last invasion, if that is the word for two ships largely laden with corpses begging to make port, occurred in the 68th year of the First Era. The description of the land these raiders had left changes dramatically over the years, leaving many to believe it was gradually dying, smothered by frost. Expeditions to Atmore in modern times describe a place of permanent winter, with little life and no sign of human habitation. Whatever population did not succeed in fleeing to Tamriel, doubtless succumbed to the ever-worsening climate many centuries ago. Sounds like the kind of place I'd want to retire to. Yeah. <laughs> Here, land goes cheap there. Frozen? No people? Yeah. Bring it. <laughs> Even before the frostfall, Atmora was apparently not a temperate place. The early Nidic people who came from Atmora were hunters with no knowledge of agriculture. A land where every denizen was a predator, doubtless ensured that only the most brutal and savage survived. It is easy to see how these traits passed the raider men down to the nature of the arena of Tamriel. So from the events uh, in ESO, we know that Ysgamor was not the first human to come to me. Elder Scrolls 1 reference right there. Yeah. The arena of Tamriel. I like that. Okay, so two things came out of of arena. (laughs) (laughs) A map and the Nords. Arena belongs to the <laughs> <laughs> They can have it. So, origins. Although the origins of the Nidic people are hotly debated, the most widely accepted theory is that they came from Atmora in many waves. And after arriving in what is now Skyrim, they soon began to spread throughout much of Tamriel. While their beginnings are murky, the earliest known traces of human presence in Tamriel have been dated to the mid morethic era about 1,000. In the book Before the Ages of Men, it was in the late Morethic era that the pre-literate humans, the so-called Nidic people, from the continent of Atmora, also Altmora, or Elderwood in Aldmeris, migrated and settled in northern Tamriel. The Nord culture hero Gizgamor, leader of a great colonizing fleet to Tamriel, is credited with developing a runic transcription of Nord speech based on Elvish principles. And so Ysgrimor is considered the first human historian. The Nords built there the legis- legendary city of Sarthal. The elves drove men away during the Night of Tears, but Ysgrimor soon returned with his 500 companions. So, The Night of Tears by Dranar Seleth. Sarthal holds a prominent place in Skyrim's history, even if most do not remember my name, it is, of course, the site of one of the first major Nord settlements, one of the first cities of men in Skyrim, and the earliest known capital of their civilization. 
It was also the site of terrible bloodshed, when the elves attempted to drive the Nords out of Skyrim, to succeed only incurring their wrath in the form of Ysgamor and his fabled 500 companions, who swept the elves from Skyrim and firmly established it as the home of the Nords. All this is known, but little else. What happened on the Night of Tears, when Sarthal was raised to the ground? What provoked the elves to such deliberate, vicious attacks? What prompted such a severe response from the Nords? When Galmo's treatises on the Altmor antecedent suggest that the elves of the Merthic era, along with their counterparts, the early Dwemer, possessed a degree of sophistication unparalleled in Tamriel. They displayed power beyond what could be expected of the time. While a distinct explanation is not given for this, I believe that this work, compared with the early writings of Joseph Schirnis, suggests that something greater was at work on the night in the Sarth. The true motive behind the Night of Tears have been obscured to us by the passage of time. But I believe this was not a simple war on territory or control of Skyrim. I believe that what happened was a significant event based around something very particular. The Nords found something when they built their city, buried it deep in the ground. They attempted to keep it buried, but the elves learned of it and coveted it for themselves. Thus they assaulted Sartha. Their goal not to drive the Nords out, but to secure this power for themselves. I believe Ysgamor knew something of what the elves would find under Sarthal, and rallied together his people to keep the elves from getting it. When Nords once again controlled Skyrim, this power was buried deep below the earth and sealed away. Time has kept this knowledge from us, but it is my hope that time will also reveal the truth of these words. Every effort will be made to relocate Sarthal, and to find that which has been lost to us. So, one of the quests we have for the Mages Guild brings us into Sarthal and finds this insanely powerful item that actually doesn't really do much at all other than piss off Arcano and, you know, the rest of the Mages Guild there. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Arcano and Kano. <laughs> yeah. Um, Butter. What are you doing? Why are all of these, uh... huh? All these guys running up the stairs. Why aren't you killing them? Oh no, those are uh, those are uh, those are my comrades. Those are uh, those are my boys. We uh, we just sacked uh, at least the front door anyway. Of uh, what was this place going to uh, Corvinjund. So um, yeah, we we ran in here, um, gave ourselves some uh, nice uh, nice baths in, in Nord mud. Came in there with our badass uh, Nord attitudes and killed these uh, hapless milk drinking Imperials <laughs> <laughs> and stole their butter. And now I just have this image of you coming up behind your guys, just handfuls of butter straight into the mouth. <laughs> hey guys, I got butter. Oh, hey, Papa got the butter, everyone. Oh, butter, I like the butter. I can make nice knitting, but butter, yeah, butter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I took a lot of damage on the way up here. Have to heal. Mmm, <laughs> butter, good. <laughs> he's no longer a milk drinker. He's a butter churner. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, you can't uh, you can't make your sweet valve without butter, right? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> when you were talking about packing a lunch, all I could think was, hey, I'll trade you my horker loaf sandwich for a sweet roll. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got my grilled chicken here, right? I'm not, you're not getting any of that. 
Well, um, <laughs> says I'm not allowed to trade for sweet rolls anymore. <laughs> Man, your mom made you skuma, made you uh, skuma. No, no, moon sugar fondue. Oh man, <laughs> it was just a hint of skuma. Yeah, and then uh, little Nordling starts tripping in gym class. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you got, Mike? So the founding of Skyrim, Ysgamore and the Five Hundred Companions from the Song of Return, Volume Five. It came to pass that our great lord Ysgamor, the harbinger of us all, sat before an encampment fire. The crew of Yorska, the Falafire, and the Kalzaz bade him eat and boast and drink, for the boon members of the 500 companions were abroad in the land. Stories were told, hearts won and lost, and always the smell of roasting meat hung in the air. The greatest of all of us beckoned every warrior to his side and spoke the tale of Wuthran's forging. It was the Night of Tears. Ysgamor sat staring out across the water. He rode upon the last ship in his fleet, fleeing Tamriel for the shores of Atmora. From that vantage point, he watched as Sarthal, the first city, burned. A swollen sky poured rain upon the flames and upon the sea, and the greatest of us all wept bitter tears. So great was the grief that the harbinger of the harbinger that instead of salty sorrow, Ysgamor wept tears of purest ebony. His eldest, Njol, collected the tears in a stein and held his father in a warm embrace. They poured mead down the harbinger's great throat, wrapped furs around the harbinger's great shoulders, and slung the harbinger into a great hammock below decks. Then he set to work, for Njol, the eldest son of the harbinger of Azal, was the greatest smith of the people have ever known. There, on the sea, Njol set to work with his tools. He used lightning to heat the night's tears. The oceans swelled to cool them, and always his hammer blows rang in concert with the rising wind. When Ysgamor awoke the next morning, Njol presented him with the mighty axe, hewn from the sorrow that had laid him low just the night before, and the harbinger of us all embraced his son. He cried out in joy, sadness, and rage, and there on the deck of the last ship from Sarthal, Ysgamor named his axe Wuthrand, which means storm tears in the language of Atmora. Okay, so a couple things here. First off, that must have been some ma- amazing mead if it could knock him out while his son hammered above deck all night long. And secondly, what the heck was he drinking that he could cry ebony? Why didn't they like harness him up and like use him to like make everything then? <laughs> I guess you got a good point there. <laughs> Crying ebony—that's that's some that's some uh, that's some stuff right there. So, Song of Return, Volume Seven: The Tale of Yorvaskar. When the last of the rightful claim of Sarthal had been retaken, driving the murderous elves back to their lofty cities. Did great Ysgamor turn and let loose the fearsome war cry that echoed across all the oceans? The 500 who had, who yet stood joined in the ovation for the victory and the lament of their fallen peers. And it is said to be heard on the distant and chilling green shores of Atmora, and the ancestors knew their time had come to cross the seas. As the reverberations echoed out and drowned to silence, all looked to Ysgamor, who bore the blessed Wuthrind, for his next commandment. With his lungs that bellowed forth the fury of humanity, he bade them to continue their march. 
that the devious Myrrh might know the terror they had brought on themselves with their trickery. Go forth, he roared, into the belly of this new land. Drive the wretched from their palaces of idleness. Oblige them to squalor and toil, that they would see their betrayal, and as all the and as the all sin against our kind. Give no quarter, show no kindness, for they would not give nor show you the same. Mm. Where have so, we heard that before? Yeah. Um, we can definitely see that uh, when finally the Nords, or those that would become Nords, finally did decide to take Skyrim and make Skyrim what we now know it is, it was taken by force. It was not a... a like uh, the Syrads or the Bretons, where there was assimilation and processing of needed culture. It was, we're here, get out. Yeah. So if we then look at Skyrim itself from the Imperiological Geographical Society, it may be the exploits of the... Wait, did I already read this? No, okay. It may be the exploits of the near-mythological Yuzgamora conflated with the reigns of several early Nord kings, as the elves were not finally driven from the present boundaries of Skyrim until the reign of King Harald, the 13th of Ysgamor's line, at the dawn of recorded history. King Harald is also remembered for being the first king to relinquish all holdings in Atmora. The Nords of Skyrim were now a separate people, whose faces were turned firmly towards their destiny the conquest of the vast new land of Tamriel. Indeed, the history of the Nords is the history of humans in Tamriel. All the human races, with the exception of Redguards, are descended from Nordic stock, although in some of the ancient blood admittedly runs thin. King Vrage, the Gifted, began the expansion that led to the first empire of the Nords. Within a span of 50 years, Skyrim ruled all of northern Tamriel, including most of present-day High Rock, a deep stretch of the Nibine Valley, and the whole of Morrowind. The conquest of Morin was one of the epic clashes of the First Era, when ensued many a desperate contest between Nord and Dark Elf in the hills and glades of the Dire Kingdom, still recalled by the songs of the minstrels in the alehouses of Skyrim. The system of succession in the First Empire is worthy of note, as it proved in the end to be the Empire's undoing. By the early years of the First Empire, Skyrim was already divided into holds, then ruled by a patchwork of clan heads, kings or councils, or moots, all of which paid fealty to the king of Skyrim. During the exceptionally long reign of King Harald, who died at 108 years of age and outlived all but three of his sons, a moot was created, made up of representatives of each hold, to choose the next king from qualified members of the royal family. Over the years, the moot became permanent and acquired an increasing amount of power. By the reign of King Borges, the last of the Ysgamor's dynasty, the moot had become partisan and ineffective. I think Mark is going to talk a little bit about the uh, Morrowind conquest later. Yeah, a little bit. So then we have seen the establishment of Skyrim. We have seen where the Nords came from. Let's talk a little bit about the ubiquitous uh, nature of religion that we seem to see all throughout Skyrim with the Totic uh, religions. 
The Dead Gods. Now, this is obviously, I should make a first disclaimer here. This is by uh, Mark's favorite author, uh, Michael Kirkbride. Michael Kirkbride. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> the Dead Gods. Tower Lord. The Dead Gods himself. don't need temples. They have the biggest one of all, Sovngarde. Nord heroes and clever men visit the underworld all the time. They bear a symbol to show that they have. Wait, hold which... on, Mike. Was that a Nord burn right there? Because that, that's exactly what it sounded like. That sounds like something so. someone would drop and then like some Nord in the background would be like, Oh, burn! <laughs> <laughs> Dead gods, they don't need no stinking temples. <laughs> Why? Because we have Savingard. <laughs> Savingard's our temple. <laughs> just, uh, just, just throwing that out there. That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> our temple is better. It has mead and hookers. <laughs> well, mead and Valkyries. <laughs> Liz, hashtag Nord burned. <laughs> Sorry, slow you down. Go ahead. <laughs> So we start seeing uh, some totems, and the first two totems, uh, the fox represents the god Shore, and the bear represents Sun. The hearth gods. The hearth gods have temples appropriate to their nature. Kinds are built upon peaks. Maras in the halls of, Im- of important witches. Debellas are in the halls of important wives. This, this makes no sense to me at all, because, you know, what we know of Debella and Mara, it seems like it should be swapped. Uh, the temples aren't like those of the Imperials. As hearth gods, they are always home to someone. And the highest ranking female of that home is their de facto high priestess. So the hawk represents Kine, the wolf Mara, and the moth Debella. The testing gods. The testing gods don't really have temples. They are uh, propitiated at battlegrounds and other sites where they cause some notable trouble. Nords understand that the Daedric temples are something else entirely and think of them as such a waste of time as the formalized religion of the Nine Divines of Cyrodiil. So the snake represents Orki and the woodland man Hermea Mora. The Twilight Gods need no temple. When they show up, there won't be any reason to build them, much less to use them. Another waste of time. That said, Nords do venerate them as they always venerate the cycles of things, and especially the last war where they will show their final best worth. The dragon, Alduin. Alduin is venerated on the winter solstice by ceremonies at ancient dragon cult temples, where offerings are made to keep him asleep for one more year. So that's the first problem in Skyrim, I guess, is that they forgot to make the the uh, offerings. Alduin is also the source of many common superstitious practices before any event of significance. And then the dragonborn god, Talos. Talos' totem is the newest, but is everywhere. He is the dragonborn conquering sun, the first new god of the cycle, whose power is consequently unknown. But the Nords bless nearly everything with this totem, since he might very well be the god of it now. So. Yes. Yeah. It, became jumbled here okay um so then the book the dragon war foremost among all animals was the dragon the ancient nordic tongue it was draguk occasionally the term dovara is used but the language or derivation of that is not known 
using either name was forbidden to all except the dragon priests. Grand temples were built to honor the dragons and to appease them. Many of them survive today as ancient ruins haunted by Draugr and undead dragon priests. Dragons, being dragons, embraced their role as god kings over men. After all, were they not fashioned in Akatosh's own image? Were they not superior in every way to the hordes of small, soft creatures that worshipped them? For dragons, powers equals truth. They had the power, so therefore it must be true. Dragons granted small amounts of power to the dragon priests in exchange for absolute obedience. In turn, the dragon priests ruled men as equals to the kings. Dragons, of course, could not be bothered with actually ruling. In Atmora, where Yzgamor and his people came from, the dragon priests demanded tribute and sent down laws and codes of living that kept peace between dragons and men. In Tamriel, they were not nearly as benevolent. It's unclear if this was due to an ambitious dragon priest or a particular dragon or a series of weak kings. Whatever the cause, the dragon priests began to rule with an iron fist, making virtual slaves of the rest of the population. The tongues. Those things are the nasty. Nor- those those dragon priests. You fight them in Skyrim. Yep. And uh, man, you know, I mean, it, obviously, you know, everyone listening has fought a dragon priest and gotten their ass handed to him and triumphed over him. I, I could definitely see how those how those those things would be able to, you know, hold a, a good a good pop portion of of Skyrim's population in in slavery like that. I mean, you know, you're the dragonborn and you have a hard time slaying those those guys yeah i think that some of them are actually harder than the dragons themselves yeah Yeah. and then you've got that one place where you get a dragon priest and a dragon at the exact same time and what do you get from the from the wall there you get all three words for throw voice (laughs) yeah (laughs) two gold and a potato (laughs) exactly i got a rock So along with the religion, uh, the tongues, the Nords have long practiced a spiritual form of magic known as the Way of the Voice, based largely on their veneration of the wind as the personification of Kinnereth. Which has nothing to do with the hit NBC show, The Voice. (laughs) (laughs) Nords consider themselves to be children of the sky, and the breath and the voice of a Nord is his vital essence. Through the use of the voice, the shout, not the, the show, Right. The vital power of a Nord can be articulated into a thum or a shout. Shouts can be used to sharpen blades or to strike enemies at a distance. Masters of the voice are known as the tongues, and their power is legendary. They can call to specific hundreds of miles, and they can move by casting a shout, appearing where it lands. The most powerful tongues cannot speak without causing destruction. They must go gag and communicate through a sign language or through scribed words. In the Nord religion, Kine is the personification of the Imperial Kingdom, so that the goddess of storm, the mother of Nords. Kine, one of the eight divines of the Norn Pantheon, is considered by some to be she is one of the five gods. Mike, you're, uh, Mike, not to interrupt, but you are, you're breaking up a little bit, man. I think uh, you might be having some, some bandwidth issues over there. Um, let me close out of uh, the uh, chat room here. There we go. Is that any better? Yeah, a lot better. I, I closed Twitch down. Uh, 
Goddess of Storm, Mother of Nords. Kine, one of the eight divines of the Nord Pantheon, is considered by some to lead those divines. She is one of the hearth gods, watching over the present cycle of the world. Her titles are numerous, revealing much about the character of Kine. Kine is called the Kiss at the End. For most Nords agree that Kine leads the dead to Sovngarde. She is revered as the goddess of the storm, called upon to bring rain and snow in dry times. She protects her faithful from the raging gales and blizzards that regularly sweep across the Skyrim expanse. Other names applied to Kine include Widow of Shore and Mother of Nords. Warrior's favorite Kine, as they call upon her for strength in battle and victory in, com- in conflicts. So hopefully that gave us a little taste of the history of the Nords, a little bit about their religion, and why they scream and yell, shout after they're done drinking mead. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn over to Mark to tell us how Nords have been personified in-game over the years. Well, thank you very much. Well, as we delve into uh, the archives in a little segment I like to call Neither Hair Nor... Sorry, never mind, that's broken. (laughs) I was going to say, neither here nor there. But uh, that part. Boom! (laughs) Sounds like another Nord burn. See what you did there. That's it, we need to start the whole show over again. (laughs) (laughs) Torment's like, ah, burn! (laughs) No, no, Torment, that doesn't doesn't work in this context. Burn! Stop saying that. (laughs) Frostburned. <laughs> okay, so um, okay. <laughs> first time, first time we see the Nords are shockingly actually in arena, and it, when you uh, when you selected the Nords, you were you were given the warning: Thou hast chosen Skyrim, land of the Nords. Know ye this also? Thy race is strong as the northern winds which sweep through icy glaciers. The Arctic clime hast hardened thy folk for life's cruel and bitter hand. I need so, the I need the war drums before you dump, do. Dum dum boom boom boom. Yeah, uh, classic. Oh yeah, yeah. Did they repeat that in Daggerfall as well? I, I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, in Daggerfall they they improved. Um, Sort of the quality, like the the graphics improved in general, uh, coloration and whatnot. So the map looked better, uh, but of, and they kept it that when you click on the Nords, you get the drums. When you click on the Khajiit, you get the the sound of something tearing, right? Uh, that type of thing. So in uh, Arena, the Nords were described as uh, tall and fair-skinned people who were strong, willful, and hardy. Living in their Arctic environment has inured them to its effects, for they seem to shrug off all but the coldest of attacks. Nords take half damage from cold-based attacks, and on a successful saving throw, take no damage. They are excellent in all arts concerning the blade and shield. Uh, so, yeah, basically, when you chose a Nord, you got to use blade and shield, and uh, half damage from cold, which the... Cold resistance is, for the most part, pretty consistent throughout all the games. So, then, of course, we went into Daggerfall. And 
this is, of course, when the game series actually started to pick up. They started going a little deeper with things. And the game itself became a bit more complex in what the races could and couldn't do. So, Daggerfall. Lords hail from the province of Skyrim. You are part of a tall and fair-skinned people, strong, willful, and hardy. Owing to the climate of Skyrim, Nords are resistant to the coldest of temperatures and take little damage even from ice-based magical attacks. Nords are historically well-suited to all the arts of the warrior. And when you chose to be a, a Nord, if you were male, you got an extra plus 10 to strength and endurance. Mark can, you, but can you, Mark, can you say warrior again in that same accent? Warrior. <laughs> was that right? That was it. That was a yeah, Warrior. 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 <laughs> so, if you were playing a Nord, a male Nord, you got plus 10 to strength, plus 10 to endurance, and you got a minus 10 to intelligence, minus 10 to willpower, and minus 10, 10 to agility. So you're strong and hardy, but you're stupid, uh, stupid, not very observant, and slow as an ox. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they measured me in high school. <laughs> this is one of those things that has always bothered me, like, about the Nord race, when you go and you, you realize you have the College of Winterhold and some of the greatest mages listed in the game are Nordic stock. And it's like, what the hell happened as to, you know, your strength and endurance? Like, did you guys swap everything along somehow? Is this like something super special, like secret cheat code, like up, up, down, B-A-A? <laughs> we decided to min-max. <laughs> <laughs> We figured that we could make strength and endurance the dump stat because we already have the bonus there. <laughs> now, so the males, male Nords are, of course, clearly presented as these strong badasses. Female Nords, plus 10 to luck, minus 10 to intelligence. Oh. Apparently the females, not so strong. They're, they're, they're good at getting lucky, but that's about it. Wow. All right. I yeah, guess maybe no, that's that a terrible thing. joke. Sorry about that. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Lines were crossed, baby. <laughs> yep. So. Just yeah, Silva no, wants but... her bike back. Unintentionally sexist. <laughs> so, yeah, no, basically, for whatever reason, for whatever reason in this presentation of uh, the Nords, basically the, the females were not expected to be good at anything really mm. because like luck is good for all characters but like you're not going to be a, you're taking penalties if you want to be a magic user you're and um you're not particularly strong or anything else like that so yeah it, it's it's a very strange collection of stats especially compared to the males and of course, though they have uh, all Nords have their classic resistance to frost, uh, and it's interesting because in Daggerfall, in this part of the when we are here in the timeline, we have the first Skyrim Empire in which you have the conquests, and they start up in um, the two hundred forty in the first era, in which they conquer all they conquer High Rock and all of Morrowind. So, the Chimer are basically they are working. They are, um, oh, what I, I can't remember the the term now. It's um, anyway. Basically, they are ruled by the Nords until 
almost 200 years later in 416 First Era, when they are finally able to get rid of them. But then we never hear about that period pretty much ever again. I mean, I I was hoping that like we, we it's gone in Morrowind. There's no references to it at all in the books there. And if there was anywhere you would see signs of some sort of um, conquest by the Nords, it would be there in that game, even if it was just books or a small ruin or two. And of course, we've gone back there in ESO, and in ESO, we're in. We get to see more of Southern Morrowind, and again, there's no sign of this Nordic, uh, this Nordic Empire, which honestly, that that's kind of unfortunate because, like, it's literally one of the first things in the timeline in the Daggerfall Chronicles, which was the the Elder Scrolls sort of first. It was a hint book for Daggerfall. But it was also kind of a lore book. This is where all of the uh, all of the um, holidays are listed out. So, among other things, so it's it's a, it's an unfortunate bit of lost history. But you know, it's it lasted up until Redguard, and or it, it was in Redguard too. Uh, that's where part of what Mike was uh, was reading from sh- uh, showed up. But just unfortunately, at one point, it eventually dropped out. I guess they just felt they didn't want to deal with it for Morrowind. Well, it seems like for Morrowind, <clears throat> they were really trying to uh, reinvent the series. Oh, yeah. Without question. Oh, so one thing. I, I Before we get to Morrowind, though, Battlespire. Uh, the Nords showed up in Battlespire. And there it is. The citizens of Skyrim are a tall and fair-haired people, stubborn, strong, stubborn, and hardy. Nords are fa- uh, famous for their resistance to cold, even magical frost, and are no for their pa- prowess as warriors. Yes, they put no instead of known. That's a mistake actually in-game. Battlespire has a lot of mistakes in it. And creepy, creepy, pervy Daedra. Oh, yeah. I remember when you um, did your uh, Battlespire playthrough on our uh, YouTube channel. Sorry? I, I said I remember you did your Battlespire playthrough. Oh yeah, no, that that was that was really fun to do, but it was just bizarre to see where the game series had come from cuz it was the first time I'd ever played Battlespire. Um and it was just such a different game too. Very similar in some ways, but very different. And strangely enough, there is actually proof, like, that game shows dra- there were actually dragons alive and in service to the Empire before Skyrim. There's actually the corpse of a dra- a, a the bones of this massive dragon uh, that you find in the very first level down in the bottom of the spire, along with a note where basically this courier was trying to get to his her, uh, his or Knight, was trying to get to his dragon mount so the two of them could escape and warn the Empire that the Battle Spire had fallen. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of really good stuff in there, but there's also a lot of what is now um, very not-canon stuff in there. Right. Okay. So, yep. So, we move on to Morrowind, where we we understand that the citizens of Skyrim are aggressive and fearless in war, industrious and enterprising in trade and exploration. 
Strong, stubborn, and hardy, Nords are famous for their resistance to cold, even magical frost. Violence is an accepted and comfortable aspect of Nord culture. Nords of all classes are skilled with a variety of weapons and armor styles, and they cheerfully face battle with an ecstatic ferocity that shocks and appalls their enemies. So, uh, for Nords here in this game, uh, strength they had bonuses to, uh, yes, strength they had bonuses to on both sides. Intelligence, they had penalties to on both both sides. Men, uh, uh, women had a bonus to willpower. Both of the sexes had a penalty to agility. Uh, men had a bonus to endurance. And both had a, per, uh, a penalty to personality. So they became much more even in spreading out the bonuses uh, between the men and the women this time. Which, after... Plus ten to luck, minus ten to in- intelligence, or eh, it, it's it's much better. Right now, uh, Nords also had the bonuses of plus ten to axe use, axe, plus ten to blunt weapon, medium uh, and medium armor, plus five to heavy armor, plus five to long blade, and plus five to the spear. They had the thunder fist. Which gave them a twenty-five damage uh, with, which gave them a frost damaging uh, spell that they could att- use for with a touch for twenty-five points of damage. Woad, or sorry, or woad, which was a thirty point uh, or a sixty-second thirty-point damage shield, and then of course they had a one hundred percent resistance to frost, complete immunity, and then a fifty percent resistance to shock. Because I'm guessing they get struck by lightning a lot from high places. It's a thunder, thunderfist. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> thunder, thunder, thunderfist. Oh. oh, it's a Thor thing. I'm, I'm convinced. There of that. we go. Yeah, <laughs> they're all gods of thunder. That's right. Yep. <laughs> okay, so from there we went into obli- uh, in, in, From there we went into oblivion. Where the citizens of Skyrim are a tall and fair-haired people, strong, hardy, strong and hardy Nords are, a fa- are famous for their resistance to cold, and they are talented. Uh, they are highly talented warriors. Men had plus ten to strength and endurance, minus ten to intelligence, willpower, and personality. Females had plus ten to strength, minus ten to intelligence and personality. I feel we are stepping backwards on this. <laughs> Yeah, so feels like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now they also had plus ten to blade weapons, blunt weapons, and heavy armor. Plus five to armor, block, and restoration of skills. They had the Nordic Frost, which was a greater power, doing uh, fifty point uh, points of frost damage by touch once a day. They had Woad as a greater power, which was a 30% damage shield for 60 seconds on self once per day. And their immunity, their Nordic Frost immunity dropped to only 50%. They no longer were able to stand uh, stand naked in the cold anymore. Which, if you had that ability, I'm guessing survival mode would become like 100% easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So, and then, of course, we came to Skyrim. 
where citizens of Skyrim, they are a tall and fair-haired people, strong and hardy. Nords are famous to their resistance to cold and their talent as warriors. They can use a battle cry to make opponents flee. Uh, your frost resistance ability, of course, stayed at 50%, and you gain battle cry, which uh, targets flee for 30 seconds once per day. Um, and uh, basically, yeah. So... Basically, Skyrim things things are pretty standard for. Oh, just a second! I just realized for some reason uh, my notes don't include the skill bonuses for the Nords. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll take me two seconds to bring uh, up. Right. I failed. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's okay. Uh, Mark. Yeah, you don't you don't need to, you know, yeah. dive into well, di- dive into all of that. It's true. Well. Plus, for anyone curious, plus 10 to two-handed, plus 5 to block, light armor, one-handed, smithing, and speech. Light armor. Wait, wait, wait. Speech? Well, speech. That I can we, understand. We've literally spent the entire time where they have crappy personalities. Right, but you're in Skyrim, so, so you know, Nord's are going to be able to communicate far more effectively with each other than they are with any other race in their homeland. I will give you that. That is actually a good, uh, good reason behind it. It's, yeah. it's still just a weird thing after the, after comparing to everything else. It, I totally agree. When you do the side by side comparison, it definitely sticks out. Yeah. Uh, and of course, finally you've got, you've got, uh, Skyrim, uh, Skyrim, you have you've got Reveler, which is it's your uh, two-handed weapon ability gets goes up faster. You have Stalwart, which increases your max stamina and health recovery. You have Frost, Resist Frost, which gives you increases your max health and your cold resistance. And you've got Rugged, which reduces the damage that you take. So, pretty much shows that the Nords are a hardy people who who they're what you would actually kind of classify as your classic stereotypical um viking barbarian fine with the colds quick to anger quick to uh to resort to violence and as you know in the stereotype not too bright Mm. so it's it's just interesting to see how they put all that together and there's consistencies and a few changes here and there you know and again frankly it wasn't until i really started looking at this that i realized that wow the the treatment of the nord of uh female nords really sucks uh well yeah yeah i mean well it i seems... mean from from a stat from just sort of a character building uh perspective that was very poorly done in a number of places well i mean uh, what are we what are we looking at here i mean is it, i i would agree to the 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 uh difference in in strength between you know um the the male and the female i would i would mm-hmm. agree with that but some of oh, the yes. some of the other yeah. things um yeah it it's it's like in Daggerfall. to go go ahead it, it sticks out that's all i was saying it, they, yeah, oh yeah no exactly it very it games. very much sticks out in a side by side comparison yeah no, even um, within the game. Oh yeah, without a doubt, uh, you could definitely tell. Like in the very early versions of of Elder Scrolls, they were they were really borrowing from like the uh, AD and D sort of rule set on that. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, all right, folks. Well, uh, we just want to remind you that uh, one of our other sponsors today is Audible. Um, you can get yourself a free audiobook using Amazon's Audible service at our link, audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network. And uh, if you go to that link, you'll be able to get yourself a brand new free audiobook of your choosing. You can choose from thousands of, of audiobooks from, from the Audible service. And um, happy, happy listening, indeed. Uh, fast question of the week, folks. We'll go. Uh, we'll go, Mike, and then Mark on this. Are you ready? Are we Wait ever us. ready? Are you ready? Is Skyrim for the Nords, Mike? Not anymore, Mark. <laughs> Never. The answer is yes, of course. So let's move. <laughs> <laughs> Skyrim's for the Nords. <laughs> um. Care to elaborate, anyone, or, or no? I I don't know if there is much to elaborate on. It's really just a joke, to be, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things, we were talking about this earlier, is that um, there, when you look through the history of section, there was the elves, which were constantly being attacked and killed by much of the Nord history. Or they were persecuting the Nords, and it was a constant fight. And now, then it was, you know, purely Nord rule. And now it's very cosmopolitan with uh, the Nords serving in the Imperial Army, being a large portion post the Elysian um, uh, Revolution of Cyrodiil and, and taking a lot of Cyrodiil into their own culture. Well, the, the Nords basically helped free Cyrodiil and... Uh, put Septim on the throne. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Sep uh, Tiber Septim really put himself there uh, with his powers, but the support of the the Nords was how he got his start. That's how he got his initial army. This is why they are so tied to him. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he 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 um he gained so because of the support that came from Skyrim he was really able to sort of assume the throne a lot easier had he not had it in the first place. Exactly. He he won the respect of the Nords and from there he began his conquests. I believe from there he went to um I can't remember if it was he went directly from Skyrim to High Rock and then Cyrodiil or around there and then he finished off the human lands with um with uh oh geez. now my brain is really gone uh alec here does seriously mark Hammerfell. thank you i knew i knew it was an h word so yeah um but he got his initial his initial army in skyrim this is why the nords claim him as their own. Basically, he founded his empire with them. Mm. Talking about uh, Tiber Septum, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that, I think the, yeah, I think that's uh, something here that I, I probably had forgotten about was the fact that uh, uh, Tiber Septum was the actual first emperor. Well, well, of the Septum line. Yeah, yeah. 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 
with the Septim Dynasty. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but then, they, then again, they also helped form the uh, the Second Empire under Riemann Saradil. So, because they sort of caught the uh, uh, Ak- Akaviri in a pincer maneuver. Um, so, yeah, they they have been involved in the in the creation of the empire on multiple occasions. Far more up, uh, far more political than uh, than you'd think the Nords would be, right? Like you think of the, your average Nord, and and you would think that they would be not political at all. Uh, that they they you know because because politics politics involves a, a good amount of doublespeak in order to get folks to sort of go along with with your agendas, and um, it seems as if like you know Nords are very anti that you know speak the truth and and make it known and and let the chips fall where they may is kind of their kind of what you get out of nords right what you see is what you get yep um and that's not to say that that existed or didn't exist in these in these stories about how the nords were helpful in in conquering uh and creating the empire maybe it was their their you know no nonsense uh you know come on don't bullshit me uh way of going about things that actually ended up conquering conquering the empire their their inability to to accept anything other than look this is this is life and if you don't like it, I'm just going to jam this axe right in your skull. How about that, Argonian? <laughs> how, how about that, Dark Elf? You know, so you can stand there on your um, on your on your fancy towers, um, and we'll we'll be right here, you know, farming the land and making sure that you know uh, real real life reigns reigns true. Maybe that's what what did it. I I don't know. Yeah. No. All right, folks. Uh, well, we are going to start winding the show down a little bit. Um, but before we do so, uh, we do have an email here. Um, a lengthy one, but a good one from uh, from Victoria. So let's uh, let's jump over to, to that. And Victoria says, Hi, Classic ESOTR. Uh, thank you for keeping such an excellent family of podcasts going for so long. It's quite an accomplishment. In listening to the most recent episode of Classic about Mead, I had an idea that I think I could make a fascinating episode of classic how slavery happened, how slavery shaped the course of Tamriel's history. This topic influences events seen in at least Marwind through Skyrim and maybe the other games too. The two major examples that I, I thought of are the enslavement of Nords and other humans by the Aeliads in modern day Cyrodiil ending with the Alessian rebellion and the enslavement of Argonians and others in Marwind, pre-Oblivion Crisis. My knowledge of the other games and ESO isn't great, so you all may want you all may well know more examples than I do. Starting in Cyrodiil, the enslaved women, the enslaved woman, uh, women eventually called Saint Alessia, had an enormous impact on defining the pantheon that is still worshipped in most of Tamriel and in founding the Cyrodiilic Empire. If humans in the in the Aeliad lands were free peasants, she presumably wouldn't have risen to prominence by leading the rebellion. How different would Tamrielic religion be without her? Do you think her personal history as a slave influenced the Pantheon or the Empire was a step or how the Empire was established? How does this history affect people in Cyrodiil today? I haven't played much Oblivion, so I'm asking quite honestly. 
at the time of Skyrim, the Thalmor are barely restrained are are barely restrained power with a with huge ambition, which might remind one of the aliens. As a Nord with knowledge of your people's past, would you look at the Thalmor and be worried about history repeating itself? Over to Morrowind, slavery is one of the central issues in the struggle between Dunmer, who want to have closer ties with the anti-slavery empire, and those who think that the pro-assimilation side is surrendering to cultural imperialism and losing their national, national identity, which includes slavery. In Elder Scrolls III, the Neverine can decide to free slaves, mostly Argonians, or support the status quo with the exception of one point where you need to buy a woman to pass off as a highborn Telvanni lady during the main plot. By the time you get to Skyrim, you see the consequences of Argonians taking advantage of the chaos of the Oblivion Crisis by conquering southern Morrowind, causing refugees to flee into Solstheim and Windhelm. Adril Arano in Ravenrock says he's not sure why the Argonians invaded, but it seems pretty likely that it's retribution for generations of slavery. However, this, however, this invasion had caused many poor Dunmer, who couldn't settle in another part of Marwind, and probably never owned slaves themselves, to flee to barren, dangerous Solstheim or to Windhelm, where they are persecuted under class. What'd you all do in, in your playthroughs of Morrowind? What would you do to address this history if you were in the House Rhetoran at the time of Skyrim, when they are de facto leaders of Morrowind? I know this email's a bit long, so feel free to paraphrase where needed. The two lamps quest in Morrowind are pretty straightforward. If you need something to play in the background of the episode, uh, if you need something to play in the background of the episode, thanks so much for all the work that you do, Victoria. So I think Victoria here certainly answers uh, a whole, a whole, uh, or asks rather, uh, a whole heck of a lot of uh, really good questions. Um, oh, definitely. I, I don't necessarily think that we're we're in a position to sort of really answer um, a whole heck of a lot of these. But um, any of you, I mean, any one of you guys want to maybe take a take a stab at some of that? Well, we do know of a number of other uh, issues with slaves so we know that the altmer are holding goblins as slaves uh throughout the the series it's written in a couple of places um which could really result in some of the goblin stuff that you see in um uh eso um we know that uh the um elysian uh revolt is not the first was one of the first but not the last human uh, elf slave uh, issues that uh, part of uh, the formation of the Bretons themselves comes from integration of slaves uh, mixing with uh, their elven masters. So it definitely has shaped the uh, the series quite a bit. And then when you add into it the um, Alicia's um, uh, merging of the Altmer religion with uh, parts of the Nordic pantheon and giving us the current um, imperial religion so that she could uh, appease both the uh, the um, Elliots who you know weren't just killed off. I mean, it took centuries. One of our older uh, episodes talked about that. 
uh, with uh, the Nords who had helped free the humans. So, you know, to keep the peace, we start getting influences of um, the Altmer religion on human re- the human religion. So uh, there are those spots where we definitely can see major points of the game have changed because of um, of slavery and uh, how things were integrated with each other. Mm. So definitely a very important aspect of the game, even though it's uncomfortable uh, for most people to, to think about. Well, uh, look, Tamriel wasn't built to, um, to be a, a happy-go-lucky uh, place. You know, Tamriel was, was built to, to address, uh, well, to, to sort of mimic uh, what you're seeing in, in um, other, other, you know, role-playing lands that, that take themselves seriously. Certainly, um, I, I think if they had the ability to at the time, I think they would have, would have made Tamriel more of, um, more of a Conan the Barbarian type setting. Um, I forgot, I forgot where he's from. Conan. Oh, Hyperborea. Hyborea, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think well, they I mean, would have leaned toward sorry. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole point of it, of uh, the game originally when they made Arena was it was going to be an arena combat simulator where you fought in an arena and then you moved on from town to town fighting, basically fighting your way up. And just they got so far into development. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's just make an entire role playing game about this. Yeah. So, yeah, like the original idea was brutish breaking things and smashing people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. they they ran with it. They kept uh they kept going with it. So yeah, I mean, listen, there are there are there are histories out there. There are things. The, the entire the other thing about about um Elder Scrolls and specifically with Tamriel <clears throat> is that it's really really good at at mimicking human history. Human history um up until, you know, with the last the last uh maybe even the last 75 years uh specifically in in the western world but even till today, human history is always about dominating and slavery. Um, today, right now, no one likes to shine a light on this. We all like to talk about, you know... Um, uh, we give it euphoric uh, nicknames to, that we don't like to think about the fact that there are, you know, when you when you buy stuff at certain stores and it's insanely cheap as to people living pretty much as enslaved populaces working in factories overseas. Oh, that's not even the mm-hmm. worst of it. I, I mean, at least, at least those people are, are, are undergoing the, um, arguably undergoing the beginnings of a capitalist, uh, society, uh, economy to lift themselves out of, out of poverty, which is always kind of how, how these things go in third world countries. That's not even the worst of it. The worst of it is is the millions of people we don't like to talk about in Africa and Indochina that are enslaved that are enslaved a hundred percent. We haven't the entirety mm-hmm. of the human po- there's there's millions of people right now that are in chains right now children yeah. and, and no one less uh, we you know we we pride ourselves here in the Western world on our identity politics you know this and that you know let's uplift this group let's uplift this this particular subsection but we never actually turn a a uh, an eye toward actual slavery 
and blood diamonds and yeah you know human trafficking all huge problems in you know the world that many of us like to just not even recognize as being things yeah going on i mean in many of our in many of our cities um and this is something that that you see you know, here and there as a cop, human trafficking is a real thing. And those people are being sold to slave into slavery. And, and if it takes a game like Elder Scrolls to sort of shine a light on the fact that, yes, the Argonians are slaves at a, at a point. And even today in, in Morrowind, um, there, there is still slavery, rampant human atrocities, or, or with the Argonians case, rampant uh, Argonian atrocity going on in the form of slavery. And if that is um, a pivot point to, you know, the gamer turning and saying, well, ha that's not different than the realization anyway of, of what's going on right now as far as actual slavery goes. Well, then I can't see. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But you know what? The truth is always a hard thing to look at. So so I would say um, maybe this holiday season as you're unwrapping your uh your gifts maybe think about maybe how good we have it here in the western world altogether i'm not just talking about america in the western world altogether maybe think about how good we actually have it and maybe some people on on december the 25th who are you know slaving away literally in a coal mine somewhere or in a diamond mine somewhere or in a sex ring somewhere because it's it's happening and it's happening to millions of people throughout the world. <laughs> and like you said, Mike, it's uncomfortable, but you know, sometimes and that's what I love about uh one of the things I love about Elder Scrolls and I said this on the very first episode of of Skyrim off the record is the fact that that Bethesda intentionally mirrors a lot of what we see today to ground Tamriel, you know, ground it. You know, when you're talking about such high fantasy um, you've got to, you've got to have, you've got to have some, some, some horrible, uh, stuff in there to, to ground it to actual, actual reality. And there's, there's a wonderful stuff in here too, of course, in, in the world, but there's, there's terrible things too. So yeah, you're right, Mike. It's difficult to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, on a much, much lighter note, um, let's uh, let's end the show well, and uh, let's final thoughts with uh, with Mark and then Mike. Well, it's been it's been great, so great to get back on the mics for this. Um, and yeah, no, I mean the Nords are one of these. It's the classic race. No matter what role playing game you're you're hitting or uh, or anything else like that, you always have the viking race always have them and for here the nords are very much that and it's great that while there is the stereotypical hard drinking uh the, the mead swilling uh, horned helmet literally <laughs> right now <laughs> wearing a horned helmet yes um you know horned helmet uh uh brutes they still Bethesda has done a, such a good job in putting so much lore into the Nords that they're more than just that. Like it's there, but w you get solitude and you can see this aspect of them. You know that they're you know that they have high culture. You get to um, 
you know, basically you go around and you see that they're not just this one note people. There is a repeating note, but there is a lot of variety. Like their culture is and their history is so much richer than that. Uh, Mike. So, yeah. Well, I hope that everybody enjoyed our tour through Nordum. Uh, or is it Nordstrom's? Nordrum. <laughs> um, and, you know, enjoyed all of these episodes uh, wrapping up uh, Skyrim and the Nords and uh, watching you play Survival Edition here. Um, I enjoyed uh, doing some research on the Nords. I find that their culture is different enough from uh, the Imperials. And interesting enough that it's always fun to take a look at them and what who they are and um, how that has influenced uh, all of these games. And uh, you know, with Skyrim being the major capstone on um, Bethesda, I hope that you know everybody uh, can appreciate the Nords a little bit from uh, our insight here and uh, has fun playing with them. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, this was a fantastic episode, and uh, I really appreciate all the hard work that um, you guys put into into uh, into the uh, the notes this week. Um, especially Mike, uh, all that uh, all the history information was really really good. And uh, I know it comes at a time that's you know you're you're a little strapped for time for for many many multiple good reasons. So I do appreciate all the hard work you put into this. Um, of course, uh, I'd like to also thank uh, all of our awesome. Uh, Twitch followers today uh, for for jumping in and um, and lending a hand and and, and chatting with us. Uh, of I know course, we got a couple of new subscriptions today too. Yeah, uh, I want to thank yeah. Alpha Charlie one eighty seven for subscribing to our Twitch channel for uh, for two months in a row. That's that's a huge huge help. Um, those of you out there that that have a uh, Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to our Twitch channel absolutely for free. And um, if uh, if we if you believe that we have in fact earned such a uh, such a such a distinction from you, oh, we would be honored to uh, entertain you uh, through through that subscription. Um, and and as a result, we've been increasing the uh, what we do here at at uh, at Quest Gaming Network. Um, we have weekly podcasts. We just started a new one. We have weekly streams as well, and uh, we'll talk about them right now. So this way uh, you can. You can sort of check it out. If you can't be here when we record it, don't worry. Um, you can uh, you can check back on our our video uh, our our uh, video archive, and you should be able to get it there. Or if it's a podcast, on our website or iTunes or even on Stitcher Radio. Um, Elder Scrolls Off the Record, the uh, gameplay and news podcast for the Elder Scrolls. Uh, we're going to be looking to record that next week, either Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so just, just to give you guys a, a heads up, uh, when we're not recording Elder Scrolls off the record, we either got a, an episode of classic for you or a microblog that we'll, we'll throw out there just to kind of keep everyone up to date, just to say, hi, um, you know, sometimes we're unable to, to sort of get a full podcast out. That's all right. We'll spend 45 minutes to an hour just sort of updating you on the on the on the real on the cheap, as I like to say, real quick, you know, very low production, but high info and lots of fun. Um, back in the podcast realm, we've got Quest Gaming, Dungeons and Dragons, QG D&D. Headed up by our, our uh, wonderful dungeon master right here, Mark. Who, Best uh, show on the network, except for all the others. <laughs> 
<laughs> who uh, we, uh, of course, we talked very earlier uh, in the beginning of the show about, um, you know, the, uh, the, the new sort of um, era that we're coming into for that. All right. They're, they're going to be uh, yeah. wrapping up the Curse of Strahd campaign. Oh, no, it's it's wrapped up. Very dramatic finale. Um, so, yeah, it, it, see, that, the, the, that will be released early in the new year. Very and good. otherwise, we are taking a break from playing for, uh, for the rest of the December, and we'll, uh, we'll start uh, recording something new in January. Right. What now. was hilarious was that we had originally anticipated this as like a Halloween event. Like, oh, we're going to play in, in Barovia for a couple of weeks over the Halloween back in 2016. And, <laughs> a year, and over a year later, Still. We, finally, we finally put it to bed end of November 2017. Yeah. Uh, very, very much looking forward to uh, to seeing what's coming after Curse of Strahd. Oh yeah! No, no, no! This is uh, this one's going to be a fun one, uh, but we'll we'll save that for later. Yeah, um, and uh, opening up our coverage of Wizards of the Coast material, uh, we now have released a brand new Magic: The Gathering podcast as well called QGMTG. So it's very it's going to be it's going to become very similar like what we do here with classic um, lore gameplay tips whatnot um as far as uh tips and tricks for for uh creating your your own deck and maybe even a, a walk backward um into like you know look magic the gathering's been around since the early to mid 90s a walk backward on some of the old sets you know what's the lore behind the story behind some of those old sets we just covered uh the you know essentially um the revamped first story the uh, antiquities okay uh, we just started with that. We're going to be marching forward now with with these these uh, stories on these sets. Um, and we're also going to be talking about old, old game mechanics, but new game mechanics, you know, how how, how to play the game and then and then some some tips on creating your own your own deck there. And, and uh, so uh, we focus on constructed gameplay for Magic the Gathering, and that's QGMTG. It's a weekly podcast we're doing uh every every friday as well so you can get that on as well as all of our other podcasts like elder scrolls off the record classic qg dnd qg mtg they're all available on questgamingnetwork.com itunes and of course stitcher radio now if that weren't enough here at at, uh, at qgn all right we also do weekly streams setsua uh start uh, on saturday 10 p.m eastern setsua one of our brand new streamers is coming on board, and he's he's streaming Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, a good uh, good he look, looks like a lot of fun. He was having a lot of fun with it, so you can catch him Saturdays at ten p.m. Um, Saturday and Sunday at one thirty is late night Elder Scrolls with myself and and Zephin. Um, Sundays we have ESOTR Trials with Mike and the Elder Scrolls Off the Record Guild. Um, we also have Dancing with Daggers on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And a brand new stream every Tuesday, late night with Avarwin at 1 a.m. Eastern Time. All of that here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. I'm going to be streaming lots of different games, not necessarily Elder Scrolls related. However, tonight at 1, 1 a.m. Eastern, I will be streaming Bruma. 
the new Skyrim uh, mod that is that is now available for free on Skyrim's special edition mod store. It is free, completely free. It's not the uh, it's not the Creation Club. It's you know in the in the mod menu, I guess. Bethesda um, Net. Yeah, and uh, it is amazing. I'm really looking forward to showing that off. So, uh, so there's your streams, guys. Okay, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to uh, enjoy that as we as we play. And uh, if not, you can always check the the video uh, archive as well. All right, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR. You can follow Mike at KDR Mickey, M I C K E Y, and Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. That's C A R N A G A N W O L F E. And you can follow me, of course, on my personal Twitter as well, at Avarwin. That's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. All right, guys, let's start saying goodnight. Start with Mike. Have a good night, everybody, and uh, a nice, uh, quiet week here. When I see you again, I will be older. Hmm. Someone's got a birthday coming up. That's right. <laughs> That's that uh, Friday, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll have to make fun of you on Friday. <laughs> Old man on the podcast gets older. <laughs> Hold on oh, now. we will. Hold on a second. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> and uh, and Mark. Oh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, fun episode as always, and uh, oh, it was great to get another one out, and to frankly finally be able to be back for it. <laughs> Freaking adulting. Yeah, we've missed you, Mark. Glad to be glad to have you back. I thought it was all back. of the high elves, and you just didn't want to be here through that entire uh, run through the high elves. <laughs> I'm, you know what? It's not true, but I'm not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> just going to agree. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. Classic Elder Scrolls is a Quest Gaming Network production. Take care, everyone. Be safe, and as always, may the force be with you.
Vamos, vamos.